0: Hello and welcome to the podcast, How Did You End Up Here? I'm Jamie Hare and I'm talking to people in interesting jobs and finding out what path they took to get there. This week I'm talking to wrestler turned academic, John Quinn. Can you just give us your current job title?
1: Well, uh, well, thanks for having me, Jamie. Um uh... <laughs> My current job title is a bit of an interesting one because technically I'm a lecturer in screen and performance, so I teach across the performance, um, the broadcast production, and the filmmaking and screenwriting programmes. But I'm actually seconded out just now to the um, CAD team within the School of Media, Culture and Society, and uh, I'm working on an assessment project where I'm developing a new methodology for how we can assess student work. So, so I don't really <laughs> I've got a couple of job titles just now, uh, and I'm trying to work out where I sit in amongst it all.
0: You've got a few, uh, you've got your, uh, you're your. you spinning a few plates at the moment.
1: I'm spinning a few plates, and now, I mean, at the start of the year, I was a wee bit worried, I didn't know <laughs> when these plates were going to, you know, come back down, but uh, but now I'm pretty confident, I, I know what I'm doing, and uh, yeah, things are looking good.
0: Feeling good. Yeah. Now, it's been a quite an, if you don't mind me, I should say you're, you're of course, Dr. J- John Quinn. Yeah. It's been quite an unusual journey, you're, uh, obviously you've got quite a varied and wide job, which I'm really interested to talk to you about, but prior to that, you've, been a wrestler, and you've done a a number of different things. So, uh, can we just start back to your school days, you know, when you were at school, what were you interested in, what what sort of things did you think, this, you know, was there a particular subject that you thought, this is what I want to do when I leave, or... You know what What were your thoughts when you're say 10, 11 and people are going what do you want the way you to the when you drop John what, did you have thoughts then
1: yeah so when I was about 10 or 11 so um, just as we got into secondary school that's when uh, I became interested in wrestling and, uh, and it was professional wrestling I was interested in I seen it on the television the uh, television It was WWE, WWF then. It would have been WWF wrestling. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw on the television when we first got Sky TV, and uh, that was it. I was hooked. I just thought, "Wow, this is amazing!" You know, this is so colourful and loud, and it just looks like so much fun. And the storylines were so outrageous that I was hooked instantly. So. So to be honest, f- school for me—I know I'm an academic now—but I wasn't really interested in school from from the second I saw professional wrestling. I just wanted to be a wrestler. Um, so I, I went through school and I had a, a good time in school. But I would say that I, I, I worked hard in school. But I was more interested in school as a social, <laughs> a social um, phenomenon. Um, so I wasn't—I didn't ever think I would be an academic. To be honest, all I cared about was wrestling, um, and and that was all I really it was interested in.
0: The <laughs> cat and what, so when you're when you're ten, eleven, did you have an avenue for this other than just watching it? Were you able to sort of take part in any way?
1: So what was really cool was so I loved the professional wrestling, and once I found out about it, I, I was just watching all the time, getting all the videos and magazines, and I was collecting all the wrestling figures, had my own ring, everything you could name it, clothes, apparel. Um, I was absolutely enamoured with wrestling. And one day um, I was with my friends, and um, we were talking about the sports we we do, and um, some of my friends played hockey, some played rugby, some played football, and they said, "Oh, what's your sport?" And I I said, oh, I like wrestling, you know. So I went down and I signed up for, to an amateur wrestling club, really completely unaware probably of the of the absolute difference um, between professional wrestling and amateur wrestling. And then um, and it turned out out of the blue that I had an aptitude for, for amateur wrestling and mm-hmm. I, I did really well from the outset. And so... All of a sudden, then, I did something that's a little bit rarer. Back in the day, I followed a tandem of loving professional wrestling and being equally as immersed in in legitimate
0: freestyle mm. amateur wrestling. Okay, and because, it's funny because you see, uh, you know, you watch American films in high school and there's the wrestlers and stuff. That, yeah, it's not something that per, on a personal level you come. I've come in contact with so much in Scotland, but. It's quite a big. Was it quite a big scene at that time? And so no, it wasn't a big scene. It
1: was. It was quite underground.
0: Um, so there is the, the
1: Scottish wrestling's well organised. When I was there, it was called the, the Scottish Amateur Wrestling Association, or the SAWA, and uh, I wrestled at a Barheads Club, um, which was nearest to my home in Paisley, and so it was a really well organised um, area. And there was lots of clubs, but I wouldn't say that it was a majority sport in the slightest. You no, know, no. it was quite a minority sport. But the people who were involved in it were very active, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I would wrestle regularly in tournaments. I would train, um, I would wrestle two days a week and train in the gym uh, four days a week. So I, I trained six days a week in total. Mm-hmm. Um, and I toured all over Scotland and did into England uh, wrestling. I used to wrestle on the grass at Highland Games in a kilt. And I would wrestle on the mat
0: at uh, championships. Uh, it was You know, a phenomenal experience for a young guy. And quite a good community spirit in that. You you met the same people again, over and over again?
1: Fantastic community spirit. I mean, what I really loved about amateur wrestling was, amateur wrestling, you could go onto the mat with somebody and you could go... As hard as you possibly could to try and beat this person. But the way amateur wrestling works is that there's no um, locks against the joint and there's no physical blows. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could, you know, really compete as hard as you could against somebody for five minutes, which is the time the match was. And at the end of it, there'd be no lasting damage, and you were the bestest of friends. You know, it was just sheer competition, and that was something I really liked.
0: And so as you're going on, you know, your teenager, uh, sixteen, seventeen, what, what's your thoughts in re- in wrestling then? Do you think? I can I can do making a career and a life out of this, or do you think still a, you know, and and you're leaving school? You know, know, what was your thought process at that moment Uh, in time?
1: Once. When I was in secondary school and I was wrestling, I started to have some success in wrestling. So um, I won my first national championship when I was 15, actually won a senior championship before I should have.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> but and Again, that's because they just... so good. Well, I don't think it's because they're so good. I think it's because of that particular week category. I fitted right. a gap and they shoved me in it and said, okay. nobody nope you will know, just go ahead and do it. So right, okay. um, I won two national championships in a row. Um, and But I never, ever considered myself to to be... to have a career in wrestling because I did well in the Scottish scene, but when you compared me to the international scene in, in wrestling, mm-hmm. um, I, I wouldn't have been competitive at all. So, so amateur wrestling was never something that I really saw would go further. I, I enjoyed working at a national level. I got success at national level. I, I became very fit and had a great mm-hmm. blast. But it wasn't something I ever saw going forward. But professional wrestling, yeah. I absolutely wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah. So much it was. I was obsessed with it.
0: And so, when you're sixteen, seventeen, did you were you did you think about going to college, or did you have a job in mind, or what, like what's your What's in your head at well, the moment you, you're talking to your, your, your parents or whoever your elders?
1: Absolutely. So I finished school... Um, when I finished high school, I, I had enough qualifications to go to uni. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no interest in going to uni whatsoever. I liked... Uh, go to the gym <laughs> and hang out with friends and watching wrestling and so a compromise was struck where I would um, do one year at college and do a business admin HNC and after that get a job for a few years to build up some money mm-hmm. and then if I could make it as a wrestler I, I was to go and do it so, right. so that's what I did I did a year at college and did an HNC in business administration which was good fun um, but all the time I was training you know, as hard as I possibly could in the gym mm-hmm. I'd stopped to wrestling but then when I left school I stopped to wrestling um, and then I started training towards being a professional Wrestler.
0: Right. And so do you stop wrestling all at that point or do you, are you sort of preserving yourself or what, are you still, if you stopped amateur, is there a outlet for you still at that moment? Or?
1: Yep. So um, I stopped amateur entirely and mm. uh, concentrated on learning the professional style, which is, right. is completely different. Okay. So um, amateur wrestling is a legitimate sport. I'm not mm-hmm. saying professional to not, but professionalist for me is more akin to performance or dance. Sure, sure. Um so I had to retrain entirely from the from the ground up.
0: And where do you go and learn that? And if you're you know you're from Paisley, what where, where do you pop down?
1: So very quickly it? I realised in Scotland there was nothing for me. Right. Um, I could have went down to London um and there was a number of schools in London and there was a few schools in Scotland uh, this is back, you know, in, in the in the early uh, noughties. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't much here at all. I could have went to London. I could have went to a couple of places in Scotland, but I went and checked them out, and I felt no. This is more folk who are who are interested in it and wanting to kind of maybe um, be hobbyists. Is yep. what I suppose what I got, and it's changed now. Don't get me wrong, it's changed now. So instantly, I knew I had to to go um, across the pond. I had to go to the states or Canada. Right. And at first, I was all scheduled to go over um, and wrestle in Canada. Um, but um, at at the last minute I changed and um, I went over and trained with the Heartland Wrestling Association in the the USA, which was WCW and WWF at the time's development territory.
0: And what what age are you at that point?
1: Well, so when I actually got there, I was 20. Right. Yeah.
0: Still a young Uh, man. So
1: I was was still young. Um, I'd left school at 18. I was quite old when I left school. And I'd done my years... HNC and then mm. I'd spent a year working working Halfords
0: right <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, and
1: Carson. building up my money so yeah. I my, and then once I had enough money I uh, um, applied for my visa uh, and those days you'd literally just sent a, a letter away to the American Embassy, and your, your visa came back it was okay. that easy and then I was off to the states to to wrestle
0: and what so what is that like you you come off a plane in America what What's your, you know, how are you feeling about that? You know, you're a young guy, I presume you went, I don't know, if, did you go yourself? You went, went myself. Yourself? Yeah, what's your, how are you feeling about that?
1: Well, see now when I think about it, I don't know how the hell I did it. Yeah. I don't know how the hell, I, I literally left Scotland one day and went to a country that I knew nobody, didn't, I'd never been to, knew nothing about, stepped off a plane. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's advisable for other people to do, but... Um, but now when I think about it, it fills me with with terror. Then it was no problem. I literally yeah. just arrived in America. I had no mm-hmm. place to live, no nothing. I went to see the wrestling school, said, hi, here I am, because I've been emailing them back yeah, and forth. Yeah. And they said, yeah, great, good to have you. And uh, within a day or two, I'd sorted out a place to live, moved in with somebody who was Probably. in the club, you know, sharing their flat. Awesome. So, but now when I think back to that, I don't know, I don't know how they hell it.
0: But you're just going in the just dream, following your dream, and
1: yeah, I was naive. I would say as well, you know, just to, it all worked out, but it yeah, could have been yeah. so so That's terribly wrong.
0: Anyway, a is that did that naivety almost help in a way? You think you think don't so. you don't worry about all the other rubbish. You just think this is what I want to do. I've saved up, you know. You've, you you obviously ticked the boxes. You did, you went to the college course. You did a year's work, so you you'd done your. End of the bargain. And you thought, right now, it's my time to yeah. go and do what I want.
1: Yeah, I literally jumped on a plane and arrived. Jumped up, flew out from Glasgow, arrived in Chicago, flew from Chicago, Cincinnati. And that was me when it went to wrestling school. And, uh, yeah, I
0: had nothing. So what's the lifestyle like at that point? You're, you're obviously, you're sharing a flat with someone. You're training every day. You're working every day. Or? So,
1: yeah, so I think what happened first was I went in to, um, I went in to, to the Heartland Wrestling Association, and the first thing they can do is they they try and break you,
0: right?
1: Uh, to see if you've got what it takes. But I hadn't really told them that I I was a legitimate wrestler. Okay. And so they popped me in the ring, you know, and said, right, so what we'll do is we'll just you know give you a, a, a wee try out here. And they put me in with this this really big muscular guy, you know, mm. but he wasn't he, he didn't have he was a professional wrestler, didn't have any what we would call shoot experience. Right. And so I didn't really know what they were doing me. I was naive again. So the big guy started to what's called stretch me, and that's mm. like to apply. Holds that really do hurt you, so I just thought, "Oh, this must be you know having to be legitimate wrestle." And Aye. so I stretched him really badly. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and really quickly, uh, yeah, he yeah. was like, "Oh, he wanted out, nothing to do with this." Yeah, yeah. And after that, everything was fine for me because they just said, "All oh, right, oh you 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 can wrestle," and I was like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah." And then they taught me how to
0: perform. Awesome. And is it a big is it a big difference?
1: Massive
0: yeah. massive, yeah.
1: So basically, my days consisted of um, well, there's loads of things you had to do. Mm. I mean, so many different things. Um, firstly, you had to learn how to um, move within the ring, how to bounce off the ropes, how to develop calluses in your body right. because that absolutely kills you when you go off the, those ropes. You know, it, it, it rips underneath your arms to, to shreds. Right. You have to learn how to fall on the mat, which is a bump. You have to learn how to protect yourself and other people when you. So it's almost the complete opposite of what you did in wrestling, mm. uh, amateur wrestling. Mm. And then you had to learn how to to um, be a character and how to tell a story and how to talk to a camera and how to talk to an audience and how to listen to a referee and how to talk to each other and explain the match, how it's going to work. So so it was an enormous learning curve, you know, but it it was really good fun. But generally my my week was that I would uh, train... in the the wrestling gym Mm -hmm. four days a week and then I would train in a a normal gym seven days a week Uh, and then I would tour around the northeast of America um, doing independent wrestling shows and I started off not as a wrestler but as the guy who puts the ring up and constructs the set Mm -hmm. and helps with the live broadcast of the TV this was called Paying My Dues before I was even allowed to be wrestling once I'd done that for a while I was allowed to be a security guard so I was a fake security guard and I would be one of the guys that would run in and stop the fights you know, yeah, and yeah, then I'd yeah, yeah. They'd throw me, and I'd take a big spectacular bump, and you think it was a security guard, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. and then, um, and then eventually um, I got I got to start
0: to wrestle. And what's your lifestyle? Away from the gym and the ring, and that you enjoying life in America. Uh, You're just too busy to.
1: was great. I, I had a wee band of amigos, and uh, we just had such a good life. We would uh, we would tour about the the northeast while we were on tour with the wrestling, yeah. and we would be um, training the gym together, which is very a really good positive experience. You know, where you got to know each other. We would have massive long car journeys, mm. um, and not you know like seven eight hours to go like between that. different events. Uh, we'd be playing games in the car, having the laughs, so each other slagging each other. Yeah, um, and it was it was that kind of an. Eating out with an enormous amount of eating was involved and trying to maintain body mass was good fun um the dark side was they did a lot of drugs a lot of drugs were done not by me i was, mm-hmm. I, was I was clear i am clean cut i am still clean cut and yeah. i was then um, but an enormous amount of drugs were done you know from um smoking huge amounts of dope to cocaine yeah. to uh using steroids you know it was it was unbelievable the, the cycle that these guys mm-hmm. were in
0: and is that part that's part of their lifestyle and they said they need did they did some of them need that to get through because it must take a str- must take a toll on your body that sort of thing
1: yeah generally what i tended to see was that um people would take prescription pain medicine to mm-hmm. uh, manage pain and then they would take steroids to increase their performance in the gym and to build a physique that was attractive yeah. um at the time um and then they would smoke weed to calm down mm-hmm. you know and relax and uh, and sometimes they would take amphetamine to then get back up for yeah for a match sure. and occasionally downers to yeah. go to sleep at night so there was people who I knew were in that cycle um, and that was before WWE had its wellness policy That's before mm. wrestling had been exposed as having this really bad yeah. problem you know it's nothing like that now it's, it's very clean now professional wrestling. but when I was there I was probably at it probably its worst you know um, but what was interesting was I didn't engage in any of that whatsoever, and it didn't affect the relationship I had with any of the guys. They mm-hmm. just that was me. They didn't they didn't bother with me.
0: They sort of res- respected what you were doing anyway. And yeah,
1: I didn't I didn't call film what they were doing, and they yeah. didn't bother what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. but um, but as a young guy, I think that was my first. That was my first began to realise that maybe this isn't something I'm going to do forever. Well, I was there. Five guys died,
0: right? You know. In the in, in close to you or in you that know, in wrestling uh, in
1: general. So, right. guys who were stars, you know, died of, mm-hmm. of things that were clearly related to to performance enhancing drugs and injuries, and yeah.
0: Because you, th- you maybe looked at guys your age and that sort of thing, and you think that's not sustainable over the long over a career, almost. Yeah, though.
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's exactly what I saw. Was it wasn't sustainable, and and I also saw, I saw a lot of people who were there, and they probably didn't have any plans for their future other than, than mm. this bizarre wrestling thing which sure. they're very unlikely to achieve, you know. Cause very, when I, I were, so I trained for, for about six months to learn to become a wrestler, but when I became a wrestler, I didn't become, like, a star. I realised that I was never going to be a star because I'm, I'm only six foot, and at the time I was about 16 and a half stone, and that was as big as I could get without steroids. Right. So I just wasn't big enough. Um, so I got a job being enhancement talent. My job was to lose. Right. And then losing make other people look good. Yeah. And so very quickly I realised during the training that that's what I'll do in this. I'm not going to be the next John Cena. You know, sure. I'm just going to be a little enhancement guy. Uh-huh. And uh, so I adjusted to that and thought, well, yeah. oh, that's cool. I'll do that for a few years and have a great time." Uh-huh. But a lot of the folk I was with, you know, thought they were going to be the next big thing, and and the odds of that were astronomically against them. And right. so the abuse they put onto their body to really not achieve that it was was quite sad.
0: Yeah, and do, like. Do you know what's happened to these guys now? Are they how, like, health-wise? Have you seen people develop issues and that sort of thing? Or? So,
1: yeah, I mean, th- th- so a lot of the guys that I've trained with left wrestling have done fine. They've gone on and do other things. But a few, um, a few really, their lives went downhill after wrestling, I suppose mm-hmm. it's quite sad to say. You yeah. know, they didn't have an education. They developed habits, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they get into debts. Um, so, I, so I've seen both sides. I've seen people who, yeah. who've you know, got out of wrestling and done really well. I've seen people who've just totally um descended into mm-hmm. a poor state. I'm not seeing anything thing to do with wrestling, that's no. just what I really
0: but, I mean that's that can happen to anybody of course in any yeah. f- any field. Absolutely. How, how did you find America? Like you know, the you know the people and the culture and that you know, coming from the west coast of Scotland and, and moving to America, it's a bit of a culture shock? Um
1: I was not really shocked at all to be honest, because it was when I got there it was such a mix because in HWE, the Heartland Wrestling Association, um, there's people from all over different parts of America came there. And America was so diverse mm-hmm. that actually <laughs> it was more of a culture shock Some some of the people coming from the, the deep south up right. to Cincinnati, which is not by any means, yeah. you know, on the coasts yeah. know, or, or technically, you know, northern mm-hmm. Um but they were their differences were so diverse that I actually wasn't that different. I was more in line with a lot of the people who came from yeah. from the the New York area and New yeah. England, and that's people who I was friends with, and mm-hmm. we, we shared a lot of similarities. The thing that got me was Cincinnati had no town centre. Mm-hmm. Downtown was just all um, office blocks, and then everything was in retail parks. Yeah, and now I'm seeing that here.
0: It's, it's not. If you look at like Paul Paisley for example, yeah. there's shopping centre. Brayhead, Silverburn, not too far away either. So
1: and these centres now is kind of dying away, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like, yeah, it was a vision of the future. You see
0: what's going to happen. You and a lot, a lot of those shopping malls are starting to shut down as well, now right, yeah. with the online shopping and things like that. But. so, how long were you and me called together?
1: Well, on and off because uh, my visa allowed me to be there for uh, X amount of time, and so I would I would spend the time that visa allowed me, then I would come away, and then I would I would, I would go back, so mm-hmm. I kept him in accordance yeah. with my visa, which was really important because if you were actually going to have any you know um, career over there, you had to be really careful what you did. Yeah. I knew folk who who flagrantly abused their, their visa. I know some people who are now prominent uh, prominent in WWE who did some crazy things. I won't say in the mouth. no, no.
0: Uh,
1: I always I'm always scared. I always went everything to the t of my visa yeah, you know? yeah.
0: yeah and what sort of audiences are you are, are, what kind oh. of crowds are we, are we talking about so
1: um, what used to happen was I used to train... Um, when I was in the wrestling school, we would do a weekly show in the school where people would come and see um, you, your works in progress, what you were doing, you know. Yeah. So you're probably wrestling to like 100 to 150 mm-hmm. people. But that was really cool because you were in a wee hall. Mm-hmm. It was a place you trained with our own ring and the crowd just all sat around you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, really supportive crowds were wanted to develop these... T- they were home to see stars for the future. Yeah, 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 sure. So that was one thing I did. But then when we went on tour... Um, we would play to maybe four to 400 to 1,000 people okay. uh, and we do that you know once a week and that was really cool it doesn't seem a yeah. lot now but yeah, uh, yeah awesome I bet you
0: at the day. time though yeah. it, if you're in a room of 400,000 people 400,000
1: people would be amazing <laughs> yeah, yeah but
0: if you're, for, yeah. if you're but you know it must be a good atmosphere everyone everyone's gets into it that's and, right
1: and small space so if you got a sm- there was one show I remembered where we had a small space and we had 1,000 people there and it was just it was like a Wrestlemania you know mm-hmm. it, was, it was so busy it was unbelievable awesome made it really cool as well was that that was my first when i first experienced television mm-hmm. i had no inclination of being in have had anything to do with broadcast production yeah um but while i was there and i was training as a wrestler and i was required to go and pay my dues mm-hmm. they were doing live tv and so i just got involved with the live tv production so i was so lucky at being a 20 year old kid in america mm-hmm. where they're tape, recording wrestling multi-camera wrestling yeah. big setup yeah um, and I was right involved. And so,
0: so you you were getting a bit of taste of I started things.
1: off cable pulling and then I moved on to setting up regs. And then I, I, absolutely, you name it then, I, I was involved in doing it with no education, no experience. Mm. I just learned from the, the guys who were doing the, the production in the truck.
0: And what, so what kind of age you? Obviously, you went over there at 20. Yeah. You, how long were you there for altogether? I stopped
1: wrestling when I was 23.
0: 23, okay. Yeah. And at what point do you get thoughts in your head of maybe this won't last forever and Maybe I have to think of something else now? or, or do you, Day you one
1: st- at wrestling right. school, okay. walked in, um, saw the guys and thought, you know, this isn't my career, but I'm going to have a really good blast at it. Yeah. And I'm really going to enjoy it and I'm going to do this for as long as I can. Mm-hmm. But this isn't, this isn't what I'm going to do forever. I no. knew straight away. Okay. Because I saw people who had been there for a long time mm-hmm. and I thought, yeah, that's not me. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to do that. I want to enjoy this now. But mm-hmm. I'm never going to be a big star. Yeah. So I'm going to enjoy this now, and I'm going to do something else. Okay. But I didn't know what that was. You
0: didn't know what that was, no. Yeah. So when you were, tw- twenty-three, when you came back. What, so, was there a point you thought, right, that, that'll do? Or did you just reach this natural conclusion? Or was so, it visa issues? Or?
1: No, 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 everything went fine. No visa issues, thank God, yeah. No, um, so I wrestled...
0: Um, I, just, well, I, mean, I just meant in the sense yeah, yeah. of, the, 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 I mean, I used to live in Australia but my, and my visa ultimately expired and I had to come home, but... No, uh, I had
1: 10 years, get 10 years. This was back in the day oh, where you just right. roll away and you got Jeez, 10 years. Right. You don't get that now, do
0: you think? No, I wouldn't have thought so, no. no.
1: So, it just expired not that long ago. Ah, okay, <laughs> really, okay. Really, to be honest. Um, yeah, what was I saying? I was saying, yeah, so... I, I loved life there. It was good. Uh, everything was going really well. Um, and then I got injured um, and I hurt my knee in the ring. And uh, that's when I started to realize, oh, right, okay. So actually, while I was sitting on the sidelines, I thought, I don't have an education, to be honest. I've been mm-hmm. HNC in business. So it's not really going to take me anywhere. Um, I don't have really any money, <laughs> right? I didn't make much money. I didn't make any money. Mm-hmm. I lost money. Right. Yeah. Um, and. I was sitting out for a while just mm-hmm. in my apartment and I thought, yeah, this is the reality of this this business. So at that point, I uh, I stopped. Mm-hmm. I got my friends together and said, ah, I'm going to go back home, you know. And it was sad because I didn't want to leave my pals, but I yeah. did and, and I came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the- so there was a moment I hurt my knee and that was it.
0: There was no way for you to stay in America and do something different. You didn't think about that? You are trying to stay no in chance. America or you, you felt you were you were always going to come back?
1: If I was to stay in America, I would have had to change my visa type to permanent, okay. you know, and... Um, I would have had to be sponsored into a job, okay. and without a degree, you know, um, there was not much chance of getting a good job. So I'd had a blast. Yeah, I had a really good time, made some really good friends, have mm-hmm. some hilarious stories that <laughs> I probably can't share. Yeah, that's
0: all right. yeah. I'll yeah. buy a beer later.
1: I'll tell you about them. Mm. Um, but no, so I decided to come home. Yeah.
0: Because it's well, it's funny just to to almost finish up in wrestling, but. I had almost no experience from it until I worked on a TV show a few years ago um, about the Glasgow Wrestling Company, um, I I C W, and I was kind of thinking, yeah, wrestling, okay. And then I was at a show in Edinburgh, and the guy Gredo who maybe a lot, maybe people all know, he's fairly prominent now, but came out. He was, it was like, I think it's like a prairie walks out on stage. The place was going nice. mental, and I was like, wow. And then, and then when they start, as you know, they start the guy start wrestling and. I mean, it's phenomenal what they're doing. They're basically doing gymnastics in, you know, with no warm up, no sort of. If you do gymnastics, there's sort of mats and safety. You know, none. There's none of that. And there's, I mean, whether you, whether you like watching it or not, you can't help but respect the what the guys are doing and how the guys are putting themselves in the line. And, uh, and you can tell it. You know, the people that were doing that. Uh, now it's become quite big now. But when when I first came across it, they were you know they were looking just to they just did it because they loved it and and you have to you've got to respect that passion but also the agility and what the guys were physically doing and girls uh, were physically doing on, on a show it was
1: amazing yeah was got talent and charisma yeah and uh I didn't have either of those. I don't believe,
0: John, I well, don't believe No, it. I didn't, know
1: because I, I know people always say that to me when I say it, but I said I, I was a talented amateur wrestler. As a professional wrestler, I was um, good at making other people look good, not at all good at making myself look good. Um, and I recognised that limitation. And so I did loads of dark matches. I did loads of matches where I was the wee guy who didn't even have a name and I would right. lose, you know. Right, okay. um, and I, I got loads of, I had much, much, many more wrestling matches than people who trained with me to to become legitimate stars. Yeah. I had loads more matches yeah. than them and I lost every single one of them. Right. Yeah, but it's because, uh, so I think it's important for me to say that as well that mm-hmm. um, people like or people like Drew, McIntyre, who's yeah. doing insanely well. Yeah, uh, from here. Yeah, from here. Yeah, these guys were—they're different from me. I can't explain to you how different they are. You know, they mm-hmm. were born to be performers, born to be wrestlers. I was probably just—I uh, was just a bit—I um, don't know, a workman. I was the the, the workhorse who'd help sure. other people get to where they're going, and sure. I loved that. And that's mm-hmm. what was really—that's what was good for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. and you—you you fought some of the big names as well.
1: I did. I was—I got—I have been in the ring with a uh, I i was in the ring with John Cena before he was John Cena. It was called Prototype. Oh. I was in the ring with Three Minute Warning, uh, um, who sadly have both passed away.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: You know, um, so uh, Dilo Brown. Well, I could go on. Lots yeah. of people I got to, I got to wrestle with yeah. um, as a nobody, and it was brilliant.
0: So you got to you got to live that for a, for for a while, for as long as you almost wanted, really. And I did. I lived thought, it for right, as
1: long as I wanted, this is, and then
0: and that was do me. So when you came home, what, what did you do when you came home?
1: Well, so I came home, and then I um, applied straight away to university. And when I came home, I, I came home with three years television experience that I didn't, you know, had no ex- I'd never thought I would gather. So mm-hmm. I applied and I studied um, for a, a, a BA in cinema at okay. the time. It was a BA in cinema, which was kind of a, a hybrid degree between English and film studies. Okay. Um, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. Just when I went over to wrestling, mm-hmm. I just thought, well, do you know what? It's interesting. I'm going to yeah. go and just study something I'm interested in.
0: So rather than having a long-term goal, you thought, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to get an education of some sort, so it might as well be something I'm interested That's in. Right. Rather than having a specific... No goal. No, no, fantastic. And what, where were you studying that?
1: So I studied that in the University of Paisley, okay. which is actually now became part of this university yeah, yeah. that we're in
0: yeah. right now, UWS. UWS. And uh, so you're based in Paisley. And how did you find that? What kind of things were you, you know you doing? Was it the studying of films and theory and that sort of thing you liked? Or did you get to do a bit of practical stuff?
1: So um, I, did, I studied film mm-hmm. and uh, learned how to write for the screen. That's what I did across those four years. I didn't do practical work. Okay. Um, which is really interesting because I'd come from doing loads of practical work, but then what I think I noticed very quickly was that the practical work I had done prior to starting my degree was probably um, you probably I probably done. I, done a, I don't mean to say negative, but I wouldn't have done the same level of work sure. in a university
0: because you've got a live audience and Yeah, so, so I, I'd
1: done. I'd, I'd been involved in you know live production.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I don't think I needed that, but I didn't. I didn't know anything about theories of, mm-hmm. of media, or I didn't know how to write the screen, and so that's why I really concentrated on Most
0: of, And So you've done that for four years?
1: I did that for four years and at the same time I started working for Renfrewshire Council um, uh, for Renfrewshire Arts Museums and I was involved in performance outreach work. Um, So that was my first foray over into performance.
0: And are you teaching? Are you you just performing yourself or are you
1: educating people? I used to dress up as a pharaoh in the Paisley Museum and right. the uh, e- Egyptian uh, area of the museum, and I would uh, teach people how to um, write their name in hieroglyphs, and I would explain awesome. to them about artifacts. And awesome, uh, right? yeah, I've got some cool pictures of that. Yeah. So you. that was the first thing I did, and then I, I would be a World War Two um a little boy or I can't remember what it would be but it would be mm-hmm. and so I went around the different content areas and museums yeah, yeah. and I would I would inhabit those spaces Amazing. and and become make it come to life. So so that was really cool.
0: So you've also got that side of you in you, you know. I didn't know that and that, that, and that, that just came thing. out of the blue. And, but the obviously we talked about wrestling before that's there's obviously a bit of that as well, so a bit of performance in wrestling so not such a huge leap for yourself to go, to go into that.
1: I was awful at the performative element okay. of wrestling. Okay. I was dreadful. See, right. at the wrestling, at the professional wrestling, at putting moves together yeah. and making a match, yeah, right. I was I was damn good. In terms of designing a personality that was going right. to attract an audience, put bums in seats, right. I was woeful. I okay. was beyond bad. <laughs> you know, and that's that's honest. But then I found I found a different niche. When I into when I wasn't having to do it in wrestling, when I found I was doing it for kids in a museum, yeah. all of a sudden I could I was doing great performances. Excellent. In my own mind.
0: No, of course I don't doubt it. <laughs> I don't doubt it. So your degree finishes. Uh, you're, are you still doing that? Perform the so
1: degree finished, um, I'd finished my, my, my degree and I, and I got offered a full-time position within Remshire Arts and Museums. Okay. Um And at the exact same time, um, I'd spoken to a colleague, or a, a lecturer of mine, John Robertson, who mm-hmm. I think you've spoken to, we Jamie. We spoke, yeah, he was
0: yeah. Uh, the second person to do the podcast,
1: yeah. Um, he um, enabled me to do, a, or offered for me to do a funded... Uh, doctorate, a funded PhD, immediately after my undergraduate degree without without going through Masters first. Um, And so I had to make a decision there, you know, do I go in to Renfrewshire Arts full time and they'd offered me the job, I'd interviewed and I'd I'd got the job Uh, and then at the same time, um, John offered me to do this funded PhD and at the same time a script had written for my uh, final undergraduate project um, got taken into development, so I had three things on the go, and so I, I gambled again and decided to do the PhD and see the script to me. Awesome. So I, I didn't. I, I left Renfrewshire Arts.
0: Okay, and well, firstly, the PhD you did it at obviously Paisley now UWS, that's right. And what what was that? What was the what were you? What were you well, well,
1: so looking? that's when I went back to wrestling. Okay. So my doctorate um, explored um, the storytelling professional wrestling okay. and. I wanted to see if there was an under this is, so this could be quite boring. <laughs> I wanted to see if there was an underlying narrative grammar okay. that wrestlers used to put together matches and storylines. Okay. Now I kind of knew there was because i had been trained in it, yeah. and I kind of knew there was because I've been watching it and learning it. Uh, but I checked and nobody had really written about it or, or said what it was. Mm-hmm. So my doctorate um, was all about um, understanding how they put different types of stories together to tell a big Mm storyline over multiple events and I called that the social justice narrative mechanism and what I noticed was that everything's predicated on the enactment of social justice and it's about the um, achieving social justice against a perceived wrong. Okay. And so I built a model that explained how professional wrestling stories um, f- follow that pattern. And I watched about I, I think it was 500 hours of, of professional wrestling to awesome. to do that. Yeah. And
0: plus, you obviously have a, a deep, a good knowledge of it I anyway. So. so that obviously added so. to.
1: Yeah, that helped me do. it. I mean, I did an inductive study, so I watched wrestling from the watching of wrestling. That model evolved, and then when mm. the model evolved, uh, to be honest, if I if I tried to write the model when I started, it probably would have been the model that, that evolved. So okay. that, that was quite cool. Awesome. So and yeah, I did my doctorate. But yeah. while I was doing my doctorate, I then started teaching. So I started my. So I finished university, and then the next year I started. The next academic session, I started my PhD, and I took a, a session out, and I, I I did a teaching qualification in higher education, and I did a research methods qualification while I was doing my doctorate, mm-hmm. and then the next year, so one year removed from from being an undergraduate, I started teaching undergraduates. It was, it's changed times. I don't really think you can do that now. No. Uh, but, but but straight away then I went into teaching on the on
0: the filmmaking and screenwriting program here. And what we uh, and the performance program. What you te- what were you teaching? That's because there's. Well, what were you, what were you teaching well
1: I got to teach screenwriting straight away because I'd never really picked up on that. But So um, when I first left university, one of my scripts got uh, taken into development. It didn't get made. and But from that, I got then taken into development for three or four other projects. Mm-hmm. And then I spent about two years, maybe even three, I can't quite remember, in development with projects, none of which got made. Yeah. But I got enormous experience at editing scripts and working with producers. And mm-hmm. so... Straight away, the, the university sucked me back in to teach that because mm-hmm. I was having that experience. So sure. I literally um, got to redesign our screenwriting modules um, oh. with Stuart Hepburn, my colleague, who mm-hmm. had just started the university. Yep. And so he was an industry practitioner and I was coming from more of an academic side together. We redesigned the entire screenwriting portfolio in, in UWS. And I did that as like while I was still doing my PhD, which was very lucky.
0: Yeah. Very so lucky. Does it? You're juggling a lot at that time. Must yeah. be quite a lot to take on. And...
1: It was, but it was really cool because um, Stuart knew everything that they needed to know about the industry side yeah. of, and the screenwriting side, and I had a fair idea of what probably was problematic in our provision at the moment from a student's perspective. And so, working together, we we were able to design a student-friendly, industry-focused s- suite of screenwriting programs. Um, and I, I, that was, I was so lucky to have that educational experience while I was oh. I was so young.
0: And. That's obviously developed. You've seen a lot of people come through, and it must be it must be quite rewarding then to then go and pass that on to people, and you know watch them come in and start with a blank page and develop an idea and and, and often make that as well.
1: I think what what worked really cool in the early days of teaching here because it became UWS was that um with. With Stuart, Stuart got to be the wise old hand and, you know, he'd done, you know, two hundred and forty hours of television and I got to be the young person who's right in it immersed right now and together we formed a kind of teaching team mm-hmm. and we got the students to see both ends of the spectrum and they could locate themselves within it and align themselves with either of us and I think that worked Really well, yeah, yeah, for us, awesome. And uh, we rolled that out from filmmaking, and screenwriting, we rolled that over into performance as well because at the same time, I'd developed, I'd been developing as a performer, so mm-hmm. so I started working with the performance students.
0: And you, you obviously, there's a, there's a you know, there's maybe a, a bit of a difference. Someone who comes in wants to be a filmmaker, wants to write scripts, with someone who wants to be a p- performer and things, it's do you, do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy that sort of diversity? I
1: think that... I've, I, I never really thought about this this moment, Jamie, that we were talking, but I've always been juggling more than one thing. I've never just done one thing, mm-hmm. really, to be honest... Um, yeah, I've always done a number of things and I think that's what's good because I can see the similarities and crossovers between mm. what we do. Yeah, You know, my vision was and still is that we need to get further integration between our filmmakers and our broadcast production students and our, our, our performers. And mm-hmm. So I've always done that in my career. Yeah. So I've, I think that's, yeah, that's
0: probably you're, where that come from. You're well versed in that. Yeah. And to, to move on to, uh, you've obviously taken a slight step back from, from lecturing and teaching, that sort of thing. You are obviously say you're on a secondment. How are you enjoying that then? You're... Fully and immersed in the sort of academic world now. How you, yeah. So,
1: so, so once I finished my PhD, um, I was so. I, while I was doing my PhD, I was an associate lecturer here at the UWS. So mm-hmm. I didn't have a permanent contract. I just taught, and I was paid for the hours I taught. Mm-hmm. And that was brilliant. I loved that. Yeah. Um, but once I finished my PhD, then I had to, it was one point of points in my life I had to make a decision, mm-hmm. and um, I um, I was offered. Well, I, was, I wasn't offered that. I shouldn't say that. I was uh, there was the chance to go for a job here in UWS, sure. and so I went for that job and I got that job. Yeah, um, and so I started to teach full time, and when I started to teach full time, I couldn't write anymore or work in development with screenplays um, because I literally didn't have time. Mm-hmm. So. So as soon as I finished my PhD I went into teaching and then as soon as I started teaching my main job was to redesign the the portfolio we had Um, and so I spent a long time doing that Mm -hmm. redesigning our portfolios from the ground up and so that what led me to just recently to move away from teaching and then into a central role within the the school of looking at Mm -hmm. assessment and teaching and learning and try and then share with the wider school some of the things I did over the past five years.
0: Okay, and what's your sort of, do you have a sort of time frame in mind of how long you'll you be, you're, you're sort of on this secondment? Is that a, is it a so open my end?
1: Yeah, well, so it's, it's a year, I was seconded for a year and it's, I'll come to an end um, at the end of, of this session. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I don't know what will happen because mm-hmm. right, just now what we're doing is redesigning the performance programme um, and aligning it with the art programme and we're thinking about how these two programmes can come together and share mm-hmm. some similarities while, while we're two distinct programmes. Um, so I'm going to come back to teaching but I've al- I'm also, um, I have a, rec- a bid in for some money from the from the Labour Home Trust as well which would buy me out of teaching
0: okay.
1: for next year and it would get me to do a study on on Donald Trump and professional wrestling. Awesome. (laughs) So I've been shortlisted for for some money to buy me out of teaching next year. So I might be teaching, I don't know. Because
0: he has made an appearance in wrestling, hasn't he?
1: Donald Trump's intrinsically linked to wrestling. He hosted two WrestleManias. He's uh, fought Vince McMahon um, indirectly at WrestleMania in a Mm. hair versus hair match. Um, Yeah. But for me, I was listening to a a wrestling promoter called Jim Cornette, who talked about Trump's victory, and he said, you know what happened? Was that... um, (laughs) <laughs> Donald Trump cut a wrestling promo, and that's to be speeches wrestlers. Do. Yeah. He cut a wrestling promo on 50 million Americans and they fell for it. And that just struck a chord with me. Mm-hmm. And so I put in a bid to say, well, I'm going to examine wrestling promos and I'm going to examine the discourse that, that Trump's um, used on his campaign trail and see if there is a correlation there. And awesome. uh, And so that's been shortlisted. But wrestling, yeah, I should probably talk about this. So uh, since I've been seconded, I've had a wee bit more time. And so I started writing about wrestling in an academic sense. Right. Um, And so I've, I've written six papers this year wrestling, out of the blue, I've kind of I've returned to but wrestling sk- now. just
0: sort of ideas came to you and you thought, I'm going to look ideas at Ideas came
1: and... to me, so I, 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 you know, I've written one about how professional wrestling is an actual extension of high-concept filmmaking. Okay. You know, it goes beyond what high-concept filmmaking is to be this this form even further than that. I've uh, written a paper about paratextuality in, in professional wrestling, who's saying that professional wrestling, or WWE, doesn't actually exist. It only exists through its paratexts. Okay.
0: Yeah. How can you explain a paratext to... Well, so, me, for example. Yeah. To, to so, if
1: you're reading a book, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the cover, the picture on the cover is a paratext. Okay. It's part of the book, but sure. it's not really part of the story. It's right. separate from it. Okay. Um, so is the name of the author, so is the title page, so are the page numbers. So, for me, paratexts in wrestling are. Uh, WWE is this phenomenon. It doesn't really exist, it only exists through all the television shows that, that come about to create the WWE universe. Okay. So, my suggestion was there is no WWE, there only are paratechs, and okay. it's through how you consume these paratechs that you create your own WWE. So my WWE is different from, from your WWE, and so on and so forth. Okay. So that's another crazy paper. I awesome.
0: Wrote, but yeah. it's, they're published? In...
1: Yeah, they're coming out um, mm. this year.
0: Okay, fantastic. Yeah. And. You, you, you talked on scripts and that's I think is that still something you know, you're still involved in that You still know, right. in your own time do
1: publish you... short stories Yeah. Um, so I, I, I still but I've really struggled to do that I've, late, mm-hmm. the, the, I've got a short story out for sale just now and it's been rejected eight times um, so, so, so I'm struggling at the moment but then I had quite a few accepted last year you know there's no money in that but it's sure. great fun I love doing it
0: the Beatles were rejected once John so yeah. I wouldn't take that personally
1: I, I, don't, I don't no, no. I, I'm, I'm totally used to yeah.
0: the world is full of people who I we're rejected and didn't give up, and it's
1: good fun to see what they say. Yeah, awesome. I suppose I would like to still write. I suppose I shifted more towards novels now, but I don't mm-hmm. have time. I really don't. Sure. I would like to have time to write a novel, but then yeah. loads of people would. But I found my outlet for creative writing and writing mm. these academic articles, you know. Yeah, um,
0: you're also still a young guy, though, as well, in terms of novels and that sort of thing. You're, you're quite a I young person. Write, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, you're but I'm, I'm 41. I, I think you're a few years younger yeah, I'm than
1: 38. me. Yeah, yeah. So I started teaching when I was 27, awesome, in the university.
0: So, so you're you know you've yeah. you, you've got plenty of years of t- you know, ahead and it's I think it's it's and, and, and looking to the future obviously and yeah, an immediate plan obviously you're hoping to 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 talk about Donald Trump and, and wrestling but you know, do you look for do you, do you look that far ahead 5 10 15 years do you you kind no, of guy that has I, that kind of plan or I don't
1: have that plan i really don't the university asked me to write a 5 year research plan and a few years ago and i wrote it and now when i look back i've done nothing that was in there and I, but I ended up doing things that are completely different you know so, so I've I've got you know I've been working with uh, one of our librarians in here. I mm-hmm. made a film last yeah. year uh, about the library. Uh, I got funded to get external funding to go. And I'm in it. Yeah, you go. So yeah, you are, that's right. You you star in that film. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, and so we are presenting that. Mm. At all conferences all over yep. the country now. Okay, awesome. Um, that process we went through. Yeah. Um, so I never thought I'd end do do a library. Sure. And I, I'm working in the library. No. Yeah, I'm working with a librarian. I'm going to Chicago in uh, next year to return to America to present um, a paper on. Um, Eh, blogging eh,
0: okay.
1: uh, or podcasting in professional wrestling how how there's now a, performance, a phenomenon where um, lots of former wrestlers are, are podcasting at wrestling and reshaping its history mm-hmm. Re, you know so what we thought was what happened wasn't really what happened at all and right. they're, they're recasting history I'm going over to, to present that in Chicago so Fantastic. yeah I really don't know why they're just doing loads of different things yeah. you know? it's
0: all, it all sounds good though and you're, you're obviously like, really enjoying it and yeah. Uh, it's you know it's all these spinning plates. Yeah, it must be a lot of hard work at times, but really rewarding and enjoyable. I
1: think so. I just rolled out this week the my new methodology for. Um, assessing um, for a, a standard form of rubric, i.e. the thing you used to mark assessment okay. here in the school of MCS. So I suppose this is my, I've nailed my balls to the wall with that one. Right, okay. Uh, more than anything else, right. because if, there's, if it's not good, then it's, I've said, this is what I'm proposing we do as a school. So that's the biggest thing I've done, I think, since I came into UWS. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, exciting. so I'm waiting to see Spence. what happens with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So it seems like a lot of good things, anyway, on 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 your plate at the moment and on the horizon. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah I have no idea where I'm going or what I'm doing. Uh, I'm just uh, living in the moment and uh, and trying to make. Th- do you know what? I, th- I think I'm just trying to enjoy life and make things better. That's really what I try and do. You know. And uh, and I really focus on enjoying mm-hmm. enjoying life.
0: Can you imagine everybody was like that, John. That would be. It'd be horrendous.
1: Nothing ever <laughs> would ever get it done.
0: It'd be good though. Yeah. It would be good. Yeah. It would be nice to each other.
1: Absolutely. No, no, I mean, that's it. I think that's... I, I got on well with the students. I always have. I think that's because I became a, a lecturer one year removed from being a student. Yeah. And I, so I really knew what it was like to be a student. Yeah. And I thought, I never want to be the person who gives those bad experiences that maybe mm-hmm. I had when I was a student, yeah. you know? And I don't mean that negative against my experience. I had a great experience as a student. But I really knew what not to do. Yeah. And I think that's helped me enormously in, in, my, in my teaching. Because for me, it's all about, to be honest, I, I don't think I teach. My job here is to facilitate somebody to learn. Yeah, I, I don't want to teach anybody. And so I, I very, rarely give lectures. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seminars and workshops, you know? And I, and I very rarely will, will lecture to students. I'll just sit down and act, it's called dialogic pedagogy okay. and what I tend to do is just sit and talk to people and work stuff out and work out how we can you know, make ourselves better through whatever module it is mm-hmm. we're doing and that's really served me well I think here in university is just talking to students especially in our university where we're bringing in uh, students who are maybe the first in family to, to attend the university you know um, and I've loved that because you just get to talk to folk and you work out how we can both and I've learned so much more from the students mm-hmm. than, than they have from me probably
0: you know? I, I definitely, I definitely find that in my own job. If you meet a, a student who's young, energetic, got a lot—not necessarily young, but uh, but has a lot, you know, has a lot better drive about them and stuff. You know, for graduates who've gone through, started their own companies or they've elevated their own, you know, the kit. So, for example, a, a pal of mine, uh, you know, we both were interested in GoPros, making, and then he bought a drone. And I thought, well I'll need to get a drone as well now Won't I? I'm going to be left behind by these young guys So it definitely pushes you, just Nudges you on a wee bit just to be a wee bit better Than you you previously thought you were Or to at least try anyway
1: No I know and and I really agree with that because Right now what I'm doing is uh, handing over I'm trying to empower the students more So last year I ran a live play festival At the television studio where we took some plays That we'd written in one of my classes and uh, we broadcasted Them live via YouTube and, And it was really successful, we get you know a good few Thousand views Which is good For great. A, you know, plays that people Have never heard of I think it was Five or six thousand views So that was, I was pleased with that yeah. um, This year um, I was saying Let's do that again And then halfway through Seeing it I realised Why am I organising it mm. And so I said to the class What well, are you organising it yeah. And they are Yep. They just are. They've taken it over. They're making it happen, and all I'm doing now is facilitating whatever needs to. So I think that's what's really important for me. Is, is I, I'm even learning now to do less and less and less. Not try to do yourself at a job, but mm. but these are amazing people we have here in the mm. university. And what I've realised is if you just help them to help themselves, yep. they can do amazing work. So okay. now I've got this live play festival going on that I'm not having to do anything with. Brilliant. You know, I've got a super student who's organised everything, and I'm sitting going, yeah, no bother. Well, you go. That.
0: That's brilliant. Just turn up at the end.
1: I just, just turn just up at the end. Glory. And, no, I'm not going to play any <laughs> glory. But turn up and enjoy the enjoy the event.
0: Yeah, fantastic. John Quinn, thank you very much for... It's a bit of a ramble, Jamie, I mean, yeah, I don't know how I got there, but... Not at all, it's super interesting. Okay. So thank you for telling us how you ended up here.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's probably even the truth.
0: Yeah, I reckon. We'll get the truth the next time. Maybe. We'll come back, maybe we can do this again in ten years and see what's happened since then. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Jamie.
0: That's all for this time. Thanks very much for downloading or streaming this episode. And thanks, of course, to John Quinn for sitting down with me. You can follow me on Twitter, it's simple enough, I'm at JamieHair, and give me any thoughts you have. And thanks to everyone who's messaged me with our comments so far, some from as far away as Australia. It's very much appreciated. Goodbye for now, and I'll be back in the next week or so with the next edition of How Did You End Up Here?